today. Would you just turn to your friend next to you to say hello? Get their name. Glad to have you here with us today on this awesome, beautiful Memorial Day weekend. 
you this morning, and we ask that as we just worship and lift our voices to you, how incredibly awesome it is that you gave your life for us, that you left heaven and you gave everything for us, Lord God, just because you loved us, because you wanted us to spend time with you. You wanted us to be in eternity with you. How overwhelmingly awesome that is. And God, we want you to just take our lives, take our voices, take our hands, our feet, and use them. Use them as you want to use them, Lord God. We are here for you to worship and to serve you. And we thank you so much for the opportunity to come together every week and just praise your name as a family, as a body of Christ. You are worthy of all of our praise. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. And take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love, at the impulse of Thy
Hey, Grant. You want to give me a hand putting this flag up? Maybe later. Actually, I'd love to. And here I thought guys your age just wanted to talk about girls and face Graham on Insta Twitter. So close, Grandpa. So close. So, uh, where's this flag going? Out front, like always. But there's already a flag out front. Yeah, this is true. So, two flags? Grandpa, this isn't a double rainbow thing, is it? One flag is enough, don't you think? What's a double rainbow thing? You know the video where he's in his backyard and he can't understand why there's two rainbows and... You just kind of have to see it. To answer your question, I'm swapping the flags out. One out front, I fly you around. But this one... It's just for today. How come? Okay. This is one of those moments you wait for. It may as well be a neon sign. It says, dispense wisdom here. So what do I say to my grandson, whose generation seems more interested in selfies and sacrifice? What do I tell him about this flag? Come on. So, I fly this one every day just to remind myself. Of what? Of all those men and women who serve us, who protect us every day. Usually without much thanks. Without anybody even noticing how much they sacrifice. I don't want to forget that. So I fly this one to honor those men and women. Okay, I get that. But why this fly today? Well, I fly this particular flag to honor a buddy of mine, a guy I served with. Do I know him? No. I wish you could have. So what makes you want to honor him? Because he didn't come home. just as easily could have been me. I don't want to forget that. I don't want to forget any of the men and women who didn't get to come home. You know, sacrifice is not something you forget, Grant. So, that's why this particular flag, on this particular day, You know what? You do it. Me? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Can you hold my phone? Sure. a time to stop and, and reflect and thank God for our country. Thank God for those that served and to honor those who have fallen. So I'm going to ask, let's just bow in prayer this morning with our
heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's just take a few moments of silence as, uh, and, and just honor those that have fallen today. Some, some gave all, didn't they? All gave some, but some gave all. And so as we, as we pause this morning, would you just honor those that gave all? Would you thank God for this great land in which we have been given? Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Would you pray for those that are currently out active duty? One lady left here last night said that she has two daughters that, that are deployed currently. Many people in our church have connection to somebody that is actively serving. Would you, would you uplift them, uplift their family who's, who's paying, a, paying a price of sacrifice of just their loved one away for a, a period of time? Let's pray for them. God, we honor you. We thank you, Lord, this Memorial Day weekend. We thank you for our country this great land, the United States of America that you've given to us, Lord, it's where you've placed us. You, you planted our feet here. And so, God, we ask that you'll be, be with our country, Lord. Help us to, to be citizens of, of, a, of an eternal land, but also good citizens of this land, the land that you've given us. And, God, we pray for our country. We pray for America now. We just ask that you'll move mightily in our land. And, Lord, start with us. Start with our church. Would you deploy our people, Lord, to go out and, and be the, the people of God that would make a difference for eternity? God, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing. And, and we honor those this morning, Lord, that have, have given all. Lord, as they have given their all, Lord, we, we thank you for their families. Lord, we ask that you comfort their families and, uh, and, and that, they, that we would understand, Lord, this morning that, uh, that freedom is not cheap with a high price. God, we thank you most of all for your gift. As we think of a memorial, the memorial of the ultimate freedom when you set us free at the cross. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning, I'd like to welcome you to Crossroads. At this time, please pass the friendship folders down the aisle. And uh, just a few announcements as you're doing that. If you look into your bulletin, you'll see there's a, an orange paper there that says, This Summer Pray. There's two of them. One is, one is actually a prayer list. I'd like to ask you to take that home. On the back side, there, there are several items I'm asking you to pray about. And then there's a little sign-up sheet that says, This Summer Pray. And I'd like to ask you to commit to pray for our church this summer. If, if we could just get our whole church praying, we'll, we will see the hand of God move mightily. There's a verse of scripture that says in, in Proverbs, it says that, that we're to prepare the horse. In other words, we're to prepare like the military for war, but God is the one who brings the, brings the blessing. And so this morning for our church, God's called us to prepare the church, and we're doing that. We have some really exciting things, but we need the blessing of God. So I'm asking you to join us in prayer. And if, you'd, if you would do that, just sign your name on that paper that you'll commit to pray this summer. Make a commitment to pray five out of seven days of the week. 
and just pop that into the, into the offering plate as it comes your way, or you can put it in the offering box as you leave today. Uh, but uh, pl- uh, please, I'd like to encourage you to sign up. And look at the back of our, our card there. This summer prayer on the back, we have several things. First of all, June 10th is June Jamboree. It's going to be like a huge kickoff for summer here. We're, we're putting this out. We've got the word out in the local schools. We've got the word that's going out in the, some mailings. But the greatest way that people come is not through a mailing. It's through people. When you invite somebody, they'll come. So I want to encourage you to just to invite somebody and say, hey, come out and check out this June Jamboree. And uh, what it is, is, it's just a big, big celebration. You can look, there's another flyer in there. It's, uh, it's got all the balloons on it and all that fun stuff there. And you can look and, and see all the events that are planned. But uh, we're going to have a fun family night out there. And this is a bridging event. This is, we're not preaching. It's not, there's not going to be a, a Bible preaching time. But this is a time where the church can be the church. And we're bridging them to Christ. We're saying, hey, come and just see a good time uh, that can be had up there by people who love and care about you. So that's coming up in June. I'd like to ask you to pray about that. I'd like to ask you to pray about who you'll invite and spread the word and and come and serve. If you'd like to serve, stop down to our kid check desk downstairs and say, hey, I'd like to serve in in the June Jamboree. And then we're going to have our movie at the end of that evening that we're going to put up Big Hero 6. One lady in the church told me said that my granddaughter said that her granddaughter had, has seen that movie like 30 times. They've watched it over and over and over. So uh, this will be a fun night to come out and join, join with us as we just have a good celebration to the beginning of summer. But it's a bridging event. So I'm asking you to pray that God will bring people in who will find God. And it'll be through, through this bridging event they'll be connected and start, start, uh, start a connection to Jesus Christ. Then on, the 20, on June the 20th, I'll be heading to Ecuador with 26 people from our church. Now, isn't that exciting? We're going to be teaching English in the public schools down there. And the greatest English textbook that we have is the Bible. So we're going to be, we're going to be sharing, uh, sharing uh, Jesus Christ in the public schools in Ecuador. We're going to be letting people have an opportunity to receive Him. We're going to do vacation Bible schools. We're going to go to an orphanage. We're going to be all over the place down there and, and, and making eternal impacts. So I'm asking you to pray. Pray for God's eternal impact as we travel. Then in July, we have another movie, another bridging event out there. That's on July the 8th. Then 11th through the 15th is our Walk This Way Vacation Bible School. Kids' lives will be transformed. Families will come to Christ. I need you to pray. I'm asking you to seek God on behalf of the church. And then in August, we'll have another family movie event. And then there's Dinner for Six. Dinner for Six is this. And I'd like to ask you all to participate in this. Begin to pray that God will help us make connections. Because if you look across the top, I, I have our mission. Our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And at the bottom it says weekend gatherings. That's what we're doing here. So we want to help people find Jesus. Help, help, help everyone find a growing relationship with Jesus. That's what we do on our weekend gatherings. Connection through life groups. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, these dinner for six. Here's what we're doing. We're going to encourage you to sign up. And we'll pair you up with a group of six people. And you'll go to dinner with that same group of six people one time in June, one time in July, and one time in August. And it may, it may be the dinner at a house or the dinner out, wherever, the, wherever your group decides. But it'll be the same group of six people. You'll get them to be connected to, to other people in the church and say, yeah, I, I, I know more than just high in the hallway now. And actually build some relationships. So that's what we're trying to do there. And then the last thing is an opportunity to serve. 
I want to encourage everybody to plug in and find a place to serve. Maybe you can serve for the June Jamboree. You could serve at Vacation Bible School, and other opportunities are going to be coming up. But I'd like to ask you to pray. So the first step is to commit to pray. So would you commit to pray with us this summer? It's going to be a great summer. Then we have just a few other announcements. Uh, you also have in the bulletin there an insert. It's about Man Up Pittsburgh. It's a conference on this Saturday. If you're interested in, in going with the folks from the church, please stop by the Welcome Center. They'll be able to take your name and get you connected to the group that's going. Uh, but there's all the information there. And then on June the 11th, there's a Walk for the Homeless down in Pittsburgh. Roger and Deb Metcalf are trying to round up a team. That, they'd love to see a group of about 20 people going down there and, and, and doing a Walk for the Homeless and just uh, helping make an impact for the homeless. So if you would stop by the Welcome Center, get more information. If you can walk, you can do this. You don't even have to do the whole, the whole 10K. Last year, I thought it was 5K and wondered why I almost died, because it was 10. All right, it was 10. I'm like, man, this is the longest 5K of my life, as if I've done a whole lot of them, right? You know? so, but I've done, I, I had done two or three of them, and I'm like, this is forever. It's because it was, all right? But I want to encourage you. Roger told me, he goes, now listen, Ken, you don't have to do the whole thing this year. I said, I'm doing it. I might do it twice just to show him, right? But anyhow, I might do a 20K, right? But anyhow, they have, they have a nice time down there, and you get to learn about what God is doing greater uh, and greater, greater things than what we see every day in our life. So I want to encourage you to be there. This time I'd like to encourage, our, uh, encourage, I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward this morning. Strongly encourage the ushers to come forward, huh? Ah. <laughs> oh. It's summer, you know, too much sun yesterday, folks. I don't know. It's going it's to be a fun day. If you're, a, if you're a guest with us today, if this is your first time here, I'd like to encourage you to let this offering plate pass you by. This is for our regulars who are growing in the grace of giving. So I want to encourage you this morning uh, to give unto the Lord. Shall we? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for all that you are. Thank you for how you're moving in this church, Lord. You're doing great and mighty things. God, we lift up to you those that are hurting this morning. Uh, Lord, I'm thinking of the Watts family. As uh, Jim is up with his mother and she's nearing, nearing the end of, of her stages of life, Lord. And I just pray that you'll be with Jim. He's been such an encouragement to all of us, Lord. His entire family, Jim, Deb. Becky, Chrissy, Josh, the, the, the whole gang, Lord, I, I just thank you for, for this great family and how they've touched so many people here. And God, I pray that you'll be with them now, Lord, as, they, uh, as they're facing challenging times, Lord. So God, wrap your arms around the Watts family today, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to give to your name this morning, Lord. We realize that as we give, we're just giving back to you. You've, you've given to us, so we're, we're responding to you and saying, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to give. In your name we pray. Amen.
told you that I'd like to see your joy level grow up over the course of the next few weeks. One guy came in on Saturday night last night at our Saturday evening service, and he left and he said, my joy has already doubled. It's like he, he's, he's just getting all kind of joy as he's coming into God's Word and he's finding out how to really put life into proper perspective and to have joy in this life, uh, joy from Christ. And so his life is being transformed, and I hope that you're being encouraged as well. Last week, I, I gave you this illustration, and I want to continue with this thought, is that you, you've gone on vacation. And, and you're just in, it's the vacation of a lifetime. You're going to the Grand Canyon. And you've been thinking about it for years. And you finally get to take your kids. And, and you go out there and you set up. And, and you have this beautiful view of the Grand Canyon. It's like, wow, this, I have arrived. I have made it. This thing is so magnanimous. It's so big. And, and, you've, and you've set up your chairs. And you, know, you come back from the edge. And you, you've got your family, and you, you've, got your, you've kind of set up camp, if you will, and you're sitting on all these chairs, and, and you're looking out at the Grand Canyon like this. It couldn't get any better. You're sipping on your sweet tea, and it's all just a wonderful life right now. And then all of a sudden, one of these pulls in the way. It's a Winnebago, and it's a 1970s Winnebago. It's, it's an old Winnebago. And, and so here you are. Your family's sitting there. You, you're, you're all enjoying this, this beautiful view of the Grand Canyon, and it's like, oh, this is wonderful. And then this Winnebago comes in, and it's really got you sidetracked. You know, now, now you begin to get angry. You start to get mad that there's a Winnebago in your way. And there's a couple things that can happen. You can get angry at the Winnebago. You can get angry at the Winnebago driver, okay? And you, and you can just get angry at the whole situation. You, you start yelling and saying, you know, this Winnebago, this, uh, you know, what's wrong with this guy? And the option that I offered to you last week was that you can move your chair. And the Winnebago will still be over there, but you get to see the Grand Canyon. As you take your focus off of this Winnebago that came and blocked your view, that robbed your joy, that stole your joy, you, can, you have the option to take your chair and come over here and enjoy that view of the Grand Canyon again. We'll put that back up, or the Grand Canyon. So, the Grand Canyon. There it is. All right, all right. It's 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 batteries aren't working. Anyhow, so so you get to look at the Grand Canyon, and it's like wow, this my view is no longer stuck on that. And as a matter of fact, if you come over here and you try to move this Winnebago on your own, you can't move it. You're going to get more angry. You're, what are you going to do? Start kicking the tire of the, of the Winnebago? And you go through this whole thing, and all you have to do is move our chair. And so this is what happens in our life. We have joy. God's given you the Grand Canyon. He's given you this great big picture of how much He loves you, how much He cares for you, and what He's done for you. And we get these Winnebagas that come in the way. There are, these are, there are issues that happen. There's loss, there's pain, there's suffering. And all these Winnebagas come in the way, and so we have got to make a decision. What will we do? Last week, I encouraged you to look beyond the circumstances to see God's plan. Look beyond the circumstances to see God's results. And then I also encourage you to look beyond people, because many times there are people that come into our life that make things difficult for us. And so we have to look beyond people to see what God's plan is, see God's purpose. And so today I want to encourage you to do this, to look beyond the temporary to see the eternal. 
If I'm going to move my chair, if I'm going to not be all bent out of shape about the Winnebago's in my view, I have got to move my chair. If I'm going to do that, I have to look beyond the temporary to see the eternal. Now, I'm, I'm amazed at how many times I get bent out of shape over things that are temporary. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, the lawn, you know, uh, the, the neighbor's dog visited my lawn. I don't know if the neighbor's dog visited your lawn, but it's no fun, is it? We get really upset over these things. Uh, uh, the car broke down. Why is it? You know, we lose our mind when the car breaks down. Oh, I had to call AAA. Did you realize what we said? I had to call AAA. I have this luxury to call a number and somebody comes and bails me out, right? I ha- I, so we, we have all these issues that we're dealing with. They're very temporary. And when we look at some of the problems of life that we face, some of these problems of life that we face are just so temporary. We get so bent out of shape, and then we're going to be able to move on. Look what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, he says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. So you know what God's telling us here? He's saying, that Winnebago is temporary. That issue that's blocking and stealing your joy is temporary because you can see it. But the things that you cannot see are eternal. In other words, God is working. He's doing something so big in your life. He's doing something bigger than you can imagine, something that you can't even see. And he says, look beyond what you can see to the things that you cannot see. Because the things that you can see are temporary. The things that you cannot see are eternal. Uh, The unseen is eternal. Philippians chapter 1. The apostle Paul here, and we're going to begin in verse 19. Philippians 1, 19 he says, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through... Now, remember, this whole, this whole book is about joy. Everything in the Philippians, he keeps coming back to this theme of joy. Fifteen times he says rejoice or the word joy. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul is writing from jail. Let's, re- let's refresh ourselves. Paul is writing from jail. He's under house arrest. He's under chain. So he's got a chain, a cuff on him with a chain linked to a soldier, uh, to, to a guard with, with, a, with a chain and a cuff linked to him. And so he has that chain, and, and that chain is on to him. And so God kept using him. He kept giving him a fresh visitor every four hours. It was a new guard. They changed the guard. And God used him to spread God's word, the gospel, to 10,000 men in this guard. It was pretty, pretty exciting. We talked about that last week. But today, he's still in jail, and he's writing, and he says, I'm rejoicing, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, this will turn out for my deliverance. He's not necessarily saying that I will be escaping jail. He says, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. The Apostle Paul was was a very knowledgeable guy. He understood the Old Testament. He, looked, he knew the Old Testament writings. Before he was a follower of Christ, he was one of the Pharisees. He was, uh, he was uh, the, the Pharisee of Pharisees. So he, he knew the, the Old Testament Bible really good. 
this is the same phrasing in the original language. This will turn out for my deliverance is the same phrasing that Job used. So we're going to put this verse up from Job. Over here in the book of Job 13, verse 15. Job, now remember, Job was the guy who lost everything. He, he, went, through, he went through great, great trials. He lost, he, he, you talk about it, he lost his wife, he lost his kids, he lost his, his everything, his slaves, his servants, you name it. He lost everything. It says, though he, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance. For no godless man would dare come before him. He says, this will turn out. Job says, in light of all this that's happened, Job comes before the Lord and says, this will turn out for my deliverance. It's the same exact phrase. Paul's using the same exact phrase. So when he's talking to people that had a a Jewish background, they recognize it. They caught it right away. Hey, Paul's, Paul's connecting here to Job. He's saying, just because I'm in jail, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that God has a plan. And I know that, that through, through your, your praying for me and through the Spirit of Christ that God's going to be working in my life. And so as we think about, the, think about the book of Job this morning, indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance. The, the book of Job, Job, if you look through the first half of the book of Job, the first half of the book of Job, there's, a, there's a, an idea, and it comes from Satan. Satan has an idea, and he says, he comes before God and says, listen, God, you know, Job, the righteous, let me show you something. The righteous only do righteous because you reward them. Look at Job. He's a fair example. Look at all the things you've given him. You've given him wealth. You've given him family. You've given him all this, all this greatness. And Job, the first half of the book of Job is, is Job refuting that. Job dismantles that and says, no, 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 no. I don't follow God. I don't do righteous because I get rewarded. I do righteous because God is righteous. I'm following God. And so, so he goes through this list, and, and you know, it's, it's a very interesting topic that, as he goes through. But in that first half, we see Job loses his wife. He loses his kids. He loses all wealth. It's down to just him. And he says here, he says, yeah, even if, even if I die, surely this will turn out for my deliverance. In other words, God has a plan. God's, God, what God is doing, I cannot see what God is doing, but it will be for, for what he's doing in my life. It's his deliverance. The second half of the book of Job is, is about uh, the, this idea that the righteous should not suffer because that is punishment for something you've done wrong. And, and this is Job's. Listen, Job had that idea that maybe the righteous shouldn't suffer. I, God, I haven't done anything wrong. Why am I suffering? I have done nothing wrong. And God himself deals with that. You look at the second half of the book of Job, God himself dismantles that and says, um, listen, so I don't come, God doesn't come and inflict suffering on people for repayment of sin. And I think we've got to understand that because we, we have this whole idea that we earn with God, right? We have this idea that we earn His grace and we have this idea that we earn His, His, His wrath. Well, Jesus took care of all that on the cross. When Jesus came, He died on the cross. All the wrath of God was taken on the cross. God doesn't come into your life and zap you because you've done something wrong. And I I spoke with a woman after church this morning. She's bawling her eyes out. She goes, all my life I have felt this. 
I have felt that because of poor decisions that I've made, that my kids and this and that, and she, she went on. No. I know. The book of Job makes it real clear. God, does not, God is, isn't going to zap your kid with a problem because you did something. And God isn't coming and, and causing suffering because of something that you've done. The apostle Paul could interpret suffering pretty good, but, but the, Job was able to interpret it through God himself. God said, listen, um, I, I don't have to reward anybody. As a matter of fact, I don't reward anybody. And, and I don't have to not, because you're my follower, doesn't mean that you're not going to suffer. Do, do you see that? Uh, yes, God, God is God, and, and, and while he does not inflict the suffering, he does not stop the suffering either. God has unimaginably great wisdom. God's wisdom is so much bigger than mine, so much bigger than yours. And, and, and here's what happened for, for Job. Job, God dealt with his assumptions about life and his assumptions about righteousness. And so God dismantled that and he shows them, it's, it's really interesting about the book of Job. We don't see an answer for suffering. You know, when, when, you, when you see somebody suffering and you see pain, you say, God, why? Surely there must be a reason. Job doesn't answer that. And so we come and we say, God, what? God, we see what's going on. What are you doing? Not necessarily Why? And so we, we come before him today, and we understand that, that there are things that we deal with, uh, and, and God himself does not even explain the suffering to Job. And one day, as the Apostle Paul said, when we get to heaven, we will see clearly. But from this angle here, here's what happened. Job was freed of a small view of God. You caught that? Job was freed of a small view of God. He had a small view of God, and God said, let me show you who I am. God reveals himself, and he says to Job, so where were you when I founded the world? Where were you when I created the earth, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you, Job? And it puts it all into perspective that here is a human, helpless, in need of an almighty God. And so God says, look, I have the plan. Uh, You're trying to tell me your plan? And as we come before God, don't we do this all the time? We try to tell God our plan, and God says, I have the plan. I have the whole world at my command. Uh, God has it under his control. Paul connects, he interprets sin, uh, he interprets suffering, he understands it. He, he connects sin to death. Um, we, the reason that we die is because we live in a fallen world. Uh, that wasn't part of the original plan. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he didn't say, well, let me put two people in the garden, let them make a family, and watch them expire. You know, just think about that, you know. Uh, that wasn't the original plan. Uh, God put two people in the garden and said, I've given you all these wonderful things, and, and here, just there's one tree, don't eat of. And if you eat of it, you'll surely die. And so what does this man and woman do? I mean, just think about this. What a no-brainer, right? You got thousands of trees. And go over to that one tree and take the fruit. Wow. So he makes, a man makes a decision, and now God follows through. He says, if you do it, you'll surely die. And so God follows through. And aren't you glad God follows through with his word? Because if he didn't, the, the earth wouldn't be hanging in gravity like it is. The stars wouldn't stay in space. Uh, you, you wouldn't be able to function. You wouldn't have air to breathe. 
God keeps his word. And so that's where death has come from. So we, we see that we, at one day we will all die. It's a point on demand once to die. But the other thing is this, that, that, uh, that Paul connects, connects that there to uh, our sin, death. You know, we have to die because of our sin, but not because of a specific sin. But Paul sees more clearly than Job did about suffering because of the cross. And he can interpret his suffering in light of the cross. The power of the cross, the power of what Jesus has done. Jesus has died on the cross, and not only did he die, he came back to life again. He's been resurrected. And so through the power of the resurrection, his life has changed. He can say, now, because I am suffering in this jail, he's, he doesn't know that he's going to get out. He says, but I know that it will turn out for my deliverance. If I die in this jail, I'm delivered. Because he saw something beyond the temporary. Do you realize your life here is a temporary assignment? Your life here is a temporary assignment. If you get 100 years, you've really lived a full life, right? If you live 70 or 80, 90, yeah, you know, we, we consider that really, really good, right? Uh, we, it's a temporary. James says that life is like a vapor. It's here and then gone. Go out in the winter and just breathe, right? Watch that little smoke come out. That's how short our life is. And we don't realize that when we're trying to fix the car and keep, keep the wife happy and cut the lawn and keep our kids happy. We don't realize it at that moment, do we? We're just trying to make it through the day. But our life is short. And so the Apostle Paul can interpret suffering in light of who Christ is. Uh, as we continue here, verse 20, he says, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. He says, I want to honor God with my body. I'm not, this isn't just something in my mind. I'm not just making a mental ascent that he is Lord. I'm making a life ascent. I want my life to honor. So in my body, I'm going to live for God. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. For me to live, let's read that together. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How could Paul come and say that? How could Paul say that to die is gain? How could Paul say for me to live is Christ? And I think, you know, when we come to a funeral, we talk about this all the time. I like to use this verse at a funeral because it is. It it gives us the reality of our future. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul talked about when when you leave this earth, uh, if you're a believer of Christ, you trust Christ as your Savior, you go immediately into the presence of God. But he says to live is Christ. Now, he doesn't... Here's what I think sometimes we think. We do this. We say, well, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Think, oh, yeah, I get to go to heaven when I die. It's my get-out-of-jail-free card, right? Uh, I'm not going to go to hell. I get to go to heaven. And that is true. If you trust in Christ, you get to go to heaven. But here's the other half of the story. For you to live Christ. You see what the Apostle Paul did? He lived Christ. He wasn't saying, I live, for me to live is Christ, but I work for my job, I work for my family, I work so that people will like me. He says, no, for me to live is Christ. So everything about him. So how did he do that? Uh, Number one, you have to know that God has called you. And I want you to know that this morning. God has called you. God has given you a plan for your life. God has a purpose. You're not here by accident. Why why did God save you and keep you here for the rest of your life? 
You know, imagine. Could you, say, could you imagine that? Hey, come over here. Pray this prayer in this room. You'll go to heaven right now, right? No, 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 no. God says, become one of my followers. Start following me. Trust me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved from the punishment of your sin. Put your faith in Christ and live for Christ. Uh, it's not, not the living. You're not earning it. You can't earn it. Paul never said anything about earning it. As a matter of fact, Paul always talked about how, how unworthy we are. But here he says to live for Christ. He says to live is Christ. He also did this by submitting to God's teachings. And I would like to encourage you this morning to do that, to know that God has called you, know that he has a purpose for your life. And as you grow in this book, as you keep reading and growing in the faith, adhere to the teachings of God. What is God telling you in his word? Uh, you know, we, we have a, a different mindset than the world. And God says to, to have that. The apostle Paul, he adhered to the teachings of God. Number one, he learned to be content. Number two, he discovered that God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. He needed nothing else. He, he challenged the way that the world thought socially and culturally. And then he, he, he wrote a book, he wrote a chapter on love. 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul wrote that. And so he understood all this, and he was living for God, and yet he understood that this was a temporary assignment. This is all temporary. He had an unselfish love. He had an unselfish love for people. If you look in Philippians 1, verse 24, he says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He goes through this whole thing, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with Christ. I want to get out of these chains and go to be with him. But I think it's more important for me to stay here. Verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for who? For your account. For the, for the church at Philippi, for the church at Ephesus, for all the other churches. He says, for your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. He says, I want you to have joy. I'm going to continue. I'm going to live for Christ. Why? So that you have joy. Think about that. How often do we bring joy to others around us by, by our walk with Christ? How often do we, do, we, do we bring joy to people because we're following him? For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Um, the next thought in your notes here this morning is to look beyond the bad news to see the good news. Look beyond the bad news to see the good news. You want to move your chair. Here it is. There, here, here's the Winnebago right there in front of you. And so we can, we can sit here and we can complain about that Winnebago or we can move the chair, right? And part of that is to look beyond the bad news to see the good news. Have you ever heard those good news, bad news jokes, you know? Uh, you know, the good news is you, you, won, you won an award for the high dive. Uh, the bad news is there was no water in the pool, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, typically the bad news outweighs the good news. But when you come to Christ, uh, when you come to the good news of Jesus, the, the good news outweighs the bad news. Uh, the bad news is there's a Winnebago in your way. The good news is God has promised you joy even with that Winnebago there. Wow. God has promised you joy even with the Winnebago there. He says to walk worthy, Philippians 1.27. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, 
I may hear of you and that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He says here, he says to walk worthy. What does it mean to walk worthy? And I've been challenged by this thought. He's not saying to become worthy. He's not saying to go out and earn some favor from God because you can't do that. All favor was earned at the cross. But isn't it it funny how we try to earn favor? Maybe by I'll go to church more, I'll read my Bible more, I'll give more, and all those things are things that we want to do more of, but somehow we connect that we can earn God's favor through that. He's not saying that. He says, walk worthy of the gospel. Do you know the word gospel? Do you know what it means? It means good news. Look to your neighbor and say, good news. Look at them. Good news. All right? All right, so I want you to, we're going we're gonna to do a little exercise here, okay? First, I want you to look at your neighbor, uh, you know, hopefully it's somebody you know, okay? And just look at them and say, with a very solemn face, I have really good news. Go ahead. Just solemn. Yeah, yeah, they're believing it, aren't they? Okay, now I, want you to, now I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say the same phrase, this time with a big smile like you just won a million bucks. Okay, and I want you to say, I've got good news. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now do you, do you notice what happened? Just by adding a smile, the volume went up three times in the auditorium. Did you notice that? Okay, okay. Uh, Listen, we are to walk worthy of the good news of Christ. I, here's, here it is, here it is, all right, you ready? Listen, I got four sermons here. We could be here till three, but anyhow, all right. There's a Winnebago in my way. And this, we're not different than anybody else out there. We're following Christ. They have Winnebagos too. Do you know what the difference between us and somebody who's not following Christ, we have joy with that Winnebago there. We have joy even though there's obstacles. We get to move our chair because while that thing actually happened, while I did lose a job, while I lost a loved one, while I lost a loss, loss, I have hope. I have eternal life. I get to live forever with God. And I get to have this life now. I get to live for Christ. I get to learn to be content with that. See, if I'm always over here and I'm so discontent because this didn't happen, I'll never be happy. Because as soon as that's solved, something else comes in the way. And so many times we come in here and, 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 and our, our life is so connected to some of these things. And it's like, it's like we have a nerve connected to that Winnebago. And for some of you, there's some pretty big sorrow going on out there. I can't, I don't like it. Listen, to, to, to have joy does not mean we never grieve. Do you understand that? To have joy does not mean you don't grieve. It means we grieve, but we have hope in our grief. I have joy knowing that, that this is a temporary assignment, that this too will pass, that what I'm dealing with today will probably won't matter a whole lot next year. And some of those things that you're dealing with that are life and death issues, it won't, it, it, we, we'll still be dealing with it, but it won't be like we're dealing with it today. It, it's temporary. These are temporary 
We're here on an assignment for God. And I want to encourage you to live for Christ. Because when we die, it's gain. This morning, think with me about the cross. We're going to have communion. And the men that are going to serve communion, I'd like to ask you to go and get ready to serve communion. And as, uh, as, as they're preparing the communion, I want you to think with me about the cross. Talk about looking beyond the temporary to the eternal. What did Jesus do? He had his whole life. He lived the perfect life, and he had an appointment with the cross to pay for your sin. And what did he do? Gentlemen, you may serve the congregation. As, as, as he lived his life and went to that cross, everyone, please retain the bread to everyone's been served. As he went to the cross, what, what happened? What happened? He saw pain. He saw heartache. But he looked beyond the pain. He looked beyond the temporary. He looked beyond the blood. He looked beyond the the nails. He looked beyond the, the beating, the torment, the abandonment, the loneliness. He looked beyond all that and went all the way to the cross to pay for your sin. Talk about looking beyond people. Jesus Jesus was on the cross and he's looking at people that betrayed him, were mocking him. And what does Jesus do? He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He looked beyond the bad news. What was the bad news? The bad news is that I must endure this pain. I must die. And what was the good news? that God would resurrect him from the grave. God transformed. God, God, God did something so powerful there that Jesus had to do what we were doing. We have to do what Jesus did. Look beyond the temporary to see the eternal. together over the bread our father and our god we come before you lord and i thank you for this bread it's a symbol of your body that was broken for us god we thank you this this weekend lord as we we think of the greatest memorial what you did on the cross for us thank you for putting life into perspective of eternity when you rose from the dead for us in your name we pray then Jesus took the cup. Gentlemen, you may serve the congregation. I'd like to ask everyone to retain the cup until everyone's been served. And as that cup comes your way this morning, I want you to think of the sacrifice of Christ. I want you to think of the cross this morning, what he did for you. He settled your account. He settled it at the cross This morning, there are temporary things that you're dealing with. There are things that that just won't last for eternity that have really sidetracked you. I want you to think as you're holding that juice this morning, a representation of his blood. I want you to pray over that and just thank him this morning that he 
gave you hope. He gave you eternal life. He gave you something much bigger to look forward to than the temporary. As you, as you, as you take your cup, just pray over Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you gave us this, this great tool to remember what you've done. We thank you for that night that you were in the upper room with your disciples and you broke the bread and said, eat this in remembrance of me. You gave them the juice. You passed the cup and said, do this in remembrance of me. It, it's the covenant, the new covenant of your blood, Lord. We thank you for your blood. Without the giving of blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin. God, thank you that our life is so much, has so much more of meaning and purpose when we understand your purpose for our life. Thank you that you love us, that you're working, that you haven't abandoned us. Thank you for rising from the dead. In your name we pray. morning, I'd like to encourage you, let's stand together. As we stand, would you greet those around you warmly? Welcome, everyone. God bless you. You are dismissed, and you can move your chair.